appreciate that. And if you would take your Bibles, hopefully you got a copy of the outline. Anybody didn't get a copy of the outline this morning, raise your hand. And uh, Brother Robert's done a good job. Bless you. And uh, so let's go ahead and get started this morning. And we are going through this series about the Christian life. And uh, we, last week we kind of launched out into what our lesson is this week. And the lesson's entitled today, The First Real Christians. And we understand as, as we study the Word, now, matter of fact, I want you to look here in Acts chapter number 11, beginning in verse number 19. Acts chapter number 11, beginning in verse number 19. Let's see what the Bible says here in this passage, verse 19 down through verse 26. It says, And they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but under the Jews only. Now, when you see a statement like that, understand that the, the word of God is for everyone, but the book of Acts is a transitional book. And so at this particular time, the gospel had not yet gone forth to the Gentile nations. And so the Bible says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So understand that when it talks here about the persecution, look, it mentions Stephen, but the reality is, is that Stephen was a man of God, and Jesus, of course, had already been crucified. And because of Stephen's affiliation as a Christian with Jesus, the persecution was not only against Stephen. We, if you look back a few chapters, you can see how Stephen uh, was martyred for his faith, but then also you can look and see how all those Christians that were living in this time period and by the way, I think even today, the Bible says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we need to understand the passage here, how that the persecution arose, and it, of course, it was, it was widespread. And look at verse 20 now. It says, some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. That's a great statement there. People were being saved because the word of God was going forth. And it says in verse number 22, Then tidings of these things, people being saved, believing on the Lord, came unto the church, the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came... And he saw, look at this, what did he see? Yeah, the, he saw the grace of God. If you ever want to know what the grace of God may look like, it's people being saved, lives being changed. It's, it's evidence of the grace of God. And it says, when Barnabas came, he saw the grace of God and he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Did you see the statement there? They weren't added. Now, we understand that the Lord, uh, the, the Lord is the one that gave his life for the church, but we understand the church is the people of God. It's not a building, right? And so understand this morning that as people are saved, that they are added to the Lord. Notice that statement. Look in the next verse. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, for to seek who? Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year 
they assembled themselves with the, the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called what? They were called Christians first where? In Antioch. Now, again, that's what we're going to look at this morning because we understand as we look in the beginning of the book of Acts, the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, he rose on that third day, just like he said he was going to. And when he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he was seen alive of them by many infallible proofs. Jesus showed himself alive for 40 days. Look, folks, he left no, uh, there was, there was, uh, you know, it, there was clear evidence that Jesus had risen from the dead. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he was seen of above or more than 500 brethren at one time. I mean, this many people that witnessed the resurrected Jesus, it was proof, further proof, that his resurrection was unquestionable. I mean, there was no doubt that Jesus had risen. And here's the thing is, for 40 days, listen, not four hours, not four days, 40 days, Jesus spent time on this earth and he was doing two things. One is he was preparing his disciples, his followers, and secondly, he spent that time commissioning them because it was his work, but understand that he didn't come to stay. He came to start the church. He said, I will build my church. And as he began the church, which we're a part of today, before Jesus went back to be with the Father, he wanted to make sure that they understood what the commission was all about, that they were to carry on the work, listen, in his absence. Now, we all understand that he says, and lo, I am with you always. He wasn't going to be with them physically, but he would be with them because remember, as Jesus went up, someone else came down. Anybody know who that was? The Holy Spirit of God, right? So the exciting thing is, is that we see this, this work taking place. It's a transitional time. Now, you remember one of those disciples that struggled, and we talked about him last week, that when Jesus was crucified, Peter went fishing, didn't he? He, he, he? he said, look, I don't know about this anymore. I mean, it was great while Jesus was here, but I, I think I'm just going to go back to my old ways. And remember, when he said he was going fishing, other disciples went with him. But it was this same Peter that obeyed what Jesus said to them in this 40-day period and in Acts chapter 2, Peter was the preacher that stood on the day of Pentecost and he began to preach the word of God and 3,000 people were saved because Peter obeyed and preached, listen, here's what he preached, Jesus. You know what he preached? That Jesus was the Messiah. Now, why was he preaching that he was the Messiah? By the way, he is the Messiah, but again, remember the gospel went forth to the Jews first. So he was preaching this message and he called the people to repent of their sins, to change their belief about who Jesus was. And what does it say in Acts chapter 2? Look there in your notes. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, that's a pretty good day in church, 3,000 people getting saved, right? You know, I, I think it'd be an awesome thing to see that. And by the way, look here, if, if Peter served 
the same God we serve, is that still possible today? Yes, it is still possible for us to have a day of Pentecost, to see thousands of people come to know Christ. And as God's word went forth, guess what happened? Remember last week, here's what we talked about. Remember that when Jesus came, the whole issue was that the timing of the Lord's coming, that the people, the Jewish people, were under Roman oppression. Remember we talked about that. Even the Jewish leaders were basically oppressing uh, their own people because they were saying, you have to do this, you have to keep this, you have to live this certain way. And, and even Judaism became a system of works. Uh, and so the people themselves had felt how oppressed uh, because of all that was going on. And folks, listen, we just read it in Acts 2.41. If you were saved, look, salvation takes place in your heart, right? You can't necessarily see salvation, but I'll tell you what you can see. You can see somebody go through the baptismal pool. You can see somebody go down by the river and go under the water and come up out of the water. And to be baptized actually at this time was really like a death warrant. If you were baptized, it was a very risky thing. But listen, in spite of the risk, Here's the exciting thing is, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were saved. If you go over to chapter 4, there was now 8,000 people. It's amazing that, look folks, we understand that sin and wickedness are always going to abound. Uh, Brother Kenny and Miss Becky, they, were, they, they tried to have a teen activity and they were going to take the teens to some arrow tag thing. And Brother Kenny, a couple teens weren't able to do it. And so uh, he said, look, I'm a pastor, I'm going to change the activity, and uh, we're going to go to the mall, and we're going to kind of do a scavenger uh, thing or something like that. And I said, okay, that'd be fine. So on Friday, he showed up, and he and Miss Becky went to the mall, and they kind of uh, got all the clues and all the things that they were going to do at the mall. And, and they came back from the mall, and they were putting everything together, and then Brother Kenny went and picked up some of the teens, and Miss Becky picked up some girls, and they met back here and they got in the van and they left and they weren't even gone 15 minutes and Miss, Miss Mickey texts me and says, Pastor, there was a shooting at the mall. Anybody else hear it at Sears? Two, two guys got into some altercation and one of them had a gun, pulled it out, fired a shot. Nobody was shot, nobody was killed, but it was right here at our Pembroke Lakes Mall. And I'm like, uh, that's where the teens just went. <laughs> and Miss Mickey, she's, she's texting everybody, and I think Maylene and some others got word about it, and I, told, I called Brother Kenny, I said, I think you might want to find a better place to go to for the teen activity. But folks, look, in spite of all that's going on in the world today, just like in the days of, of Stephen and the days of the disciples when they were first called Christians, look, folks, there's always going to be things going on, but listen, it should not hinder the fact that if the word of God goes out, people will get saved. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And understand that there were so many people, it, it, you know, Christianity was like a raging wildfire. They were in a place where the, the word about Jesus, look, this was before social media, you know, uh, where it was just by word of mouth, the people were hearing this news about Jesus. Now remember, wait a minute. He's not even here. 
We crucified him. We thought we did away with this troublemaker, and yet he's, we're still talking about him. His people are still talking about him everywhere they go. They're preaching and telling other people how much he changed their lives and how their lives can be changed also because of what Jesus did for them. Isn't that awesome? By the way, that's what we should do, is share our testimony, tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, folks, that's what was happening. Look at Acts 17, verse number 6. I love this verse. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, and they cried out, saying, These that have turned the world upside down or come hither also <laughs> hey, now look that doesn't mean that they're destroying things that means that they are in they're influencing and changing people's lives or the lord is one soul at a time that it was so changing the known world now the known world at that time was much smaller than it is today uh, Christianity had not yet spread. It hadn't even come to America yet back, back in this time. But the Bible says that these were the people that were turning the world upside down. The oppression that was going on among the people and the persecution was being poured out upon these believers in Christ. I mean, you read even historically, they were being arrested. Uh, there, there were really false trials accusations that were not true about them. They were being thrown into prison. They were being tortured. Uh, they were being beaten. They were being stoned. They Look, some of them lost their lives. They were beheaded for their faith in Christ. You can go back and read. I don't know if you've ever seen or read the little book called A Trail of Blood. Anybody ever read that? And I'll tell you, you, you read through some of that stuff and there's other accounts. We have a rich history uh, of believers that have gone before us. And uh, if nothing else, if you haven't read the Trail of Blood, I'm sure you've read Hebrews 11, where the Bible says that they were sawn asunder. Uh, there were many things that happened to those that were in Christ. Now, there's three questions this morning that from Acts 11 that I want to ask you this morning. And really, they're questions that lead into statements. I want you to think about this this morning. Look at the first one. Here's the first question. And I hope you got a, the right answer for this. Is Christ worth dying for? Is Christ worth dying for? Uh, my answer to that unequivocally is yes. He is worth dying for. Uh, we owe him everything because of what Jesus has done for us. And the facts about Jesus back in this day in the first century, guess what? Those facts were true. Uh, remember what it says in Acts 1 again in verse number 3? By many infallible proofs. Jesus, look, he left uh, no question that he was who he says he was. So look at this. I see, first of all, the disciples were transformed. Transformed disciples. Uh, they, when they were persecuted, here's what happened. Look, many times you see this, even today in times of war, uh, in times of, of some of the things that are going on, that when a person is tortured, a lot of times they can't take the pain, they can't take the suffering, so what do they do? They give in and they change their story, even though it may not be true, they just can't take the pain and the suffering. But guess what? You look back at these Christians, and even through the torture, their story never changed. They just would not 
they would not deny Jesus. They kept on proclaiming who Jesus was. They didn't return to their old beliefs. As a matter of fact, what they did was they just took the message of the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, even further than they had before. As they fled for their lives, you know what they did? They took the news of Jesus with them. You know, listen, back in this day, what they would do is many times people would go and they would hide in the caves and various places. They would try to go to obscure places to get away from harm. But these folks, you know what they did? They would just go into the next town. And they would start to tell other people that Jesus had risen and that Jesus was God, but he was man, that he was the Savior of the world. Look at Acts 5, verse 40. And to him they agreed... And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, look at that word, rejoicing. Now, let me back up again. They called them, they beat them, and then they let them go, and they said, look, don't leave here and say one more word about Jesus. And the Bible says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And look at the next verse. How often did they tell people about Jesus? Daily. Daily in the temple and in every house. They did it publicly. They did it privately. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Folks, look, you could not stop these people. In the face of, if you don't stop telling people about Jesus, we're going to take your life. They just kept on telling people about Jesus. You know why? Because they had been transformed. Jesus had changed them from the inside out, and nothing was going to stop them from telling other people about the Lord. You know why? Listen, you need to get this. Christianity has a body of beliefs. If somebody asks you, Uh, you're a Christian, what do you believe? There is a body of beliefs, but that body of beliefs that keeps us together, our doctrine, it revolves around and it rests upon the resurrected and living body of Jesus Christ himself. See, our faith is built on Jesus. Would you agree with that? And so understand this morning, Jesus said that the foundation has been laid. There is no other foundation than that which has already been laid, and everything we do should be built on that foundation. Hey, listen, I hope this morning you know Christ, and I hope your life has been transformed, and if it has, guess what? Jesus is worth dying for. Now, here's the neat thing about it is, remember the persecution, the oppression that was going on? Listen, that was a reality in their day, and as they were transformed, notice letter B, There was in this passage an unlikely convert. Now, I love the way God works. I just love. Remember, the Bible says his ways are not our ways, right? They are higher than our ways. And here's what happens is is that the Jews and the Romans, uh, they were were doing everything they could to stamp out or to stop Christianity. Uh, they, They even had a derogatory phrase that you find in the Word of God, They called it people of this way, talking about the way of Jesus. And they were doing everything they could. And and every time they stomped out the fire of Christianity, guess what happened? 
about 15 other fires sprung up other places. You know, it's like, have you been watching on the news, you've seen the reports of the big island in Hawaii with the volcano? And uh, I'm amazed, the reporter, he's been there the entire time, and every time, it, now I realize he's probably a couple hundred, 300 feet, but he's standing there and there's just this thing just spewing behind him, and I'm like, what an idiot. You know, because, because honestly, uh, those things are erupting, they're blowing up out of the ground, they're all over the place. What started, if you remember, and I don't know what's been going on, about a week and a half, two weeks now, it was just this little bitty thing at first, and now there's, there's only one uh, way out for about 100 folks, and I'm thinking, boy, it wouldn't take me long to figure out I'm out of Dodge, I'm getting out of here, I'm not, you know, not going to play with hot molten lava. And, and listen, folks, we have to understand that when something is of God, that man cannot stop it. Uh, you go back, look at historically, look at what Adolf Hitler tried to do. You know, he tried to exterminate the Jews. He tried to burn all the Bibles. And guess what? We still have God's word today. And the nation of Israel is alive and well today. And understand that, that, that there was something going on that behind the scenes, there was an individual, and you just read about him. It says here that, that Barnabas, he went to, uh, to Tarsus, and he went to seek what person? Saul. Now, here's the great thing. You know what Saul was? If there ever was someone that was the poster child for the, the group of people that hated Christians and Christianity, Saul's picture would have been on that poster. He was the one, and guess what happens? Their poster child defected. I mean, his life was changed for all eternity. Well, how was it changed? By the transforming power of Jesus. Uh, God changed his life. Remember what happened? when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, you know? And his whole life was changed and transformed. This man was an amazing guy. If you study, look, he certainly was used to, to do a great work for God. I mean, there were churches that were established and there were souls that were saved. Do you understand that, that if you study back the history of Saul, his education, he was a highly educated man. He had a great mind. This man knew the word of God uh, backwards and forwards. He was a man that was very zealous. He was a man that was loyal. But here's the thing about him was at that time, he was a man that actually loved God, but hated Christians. Let me say that again. He loved God, but he hated Christians. Almost seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How can you love God? Remember what Jesus said? That's one true testament of that you are one of my disciples, that you love the brethren. Now, how can we say we love God if we can't love everyone, right? That's what the Word of God tells us. Now, here's the thing is, is that Saul was killing Christians, but in his mind, here's what he was doing, was he thought that he was doing God a favor. That just sounds absurd that that he felt that way, but how can a man like that even be saved? I mean, the guy knew the Word of God, and as you look into his life, I mean, clearly what he needed is the same thing that every person needs today. He needed clear, indisputable, irrefutable evidence from the Word of God. You know what he needed? He needed the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. See, what, what, what saved you? The truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the 
Word of God. See, the, the Scriptures is what Saul needed, and, and Saul was, in his look, in his mind, Saul thought that this one named Jesus, that he was just a hoax, that he really wasn't who he said he was. And, and look, you can't probably get down on Saul too much because there had been people before Jesus who said that they could, that they could do this, they could do that, and yet many of those that rose up they were just found to be false. I mean, even, even in our Bible, in, in the New Testament, later on in the New Testament, you find that there is one called an antichrist, right? So you see that, that even Saul thought, well, this Jesus really isn't who he said he was. And so what he was doing was in his life, in his ministry, if I can call it that, he was trying to put down this movement known as Christianity. Saul was sure that Jesus was some sort of fake, and, and in order for Saul to believe, here's what God does. God himself shook Saul's world. The Lord appeared to him. And listen, this wasn't a problem for God. Look in your notes there in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. And suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth. He heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou? What's that next word? Lord. He called him Lord. And notice in your Bible, it's a capital L. And the Bible says, And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, Saul, what you've given your life for, it's a losing cause. You need to understand, I am the way. Saul, why are you fighting against me? Why are you fighting against the message that will help so many come to know me as their Savior. He says that the Bible says Saul was trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Are you getting it? Do you know what changed Saul? He was confronted with the truth, and he accepted the truth. Now, I've had a lot of discussions with people, and here's what they'll say to me. Well, you know, how do you know that that's God's word? That's what you believe. And eventually, folks, look, I have nothing to convince someone. You don't either. The only thing that will convince them or change them is when they come face to face with God himself and the truth, the word of God. That's why it's important so many churches today have given up on the Word of God. A lot of pastors this morning will stand and read one verse out of a Bible just so that he can say that he used the Bible and then he'll spend the rest of the time just talking about something in the service. Folks, listen, people need the Word of God and Saul is living proof that the Word of God will change your life. You see, he was an unlikely convert. The Romans, the soldiers, the Pharisees, the rulers, listen, all those individuals that were in power during that day, they didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want nothing to do with the truth. That's why they killed Jesus. And, but Saul was different. You know why? Because Saul, even in his warped thinking, Saul was committed to the truth. He was committed to the truth. By the way, the Lord knew that. Many times when I witness to Catholic folk, here's the thing that, and I try to find some common ground. And a lot of times what I'll do with a Catholic person is 
I'll say to them early on, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And do you know that most Catholics will say, yes, I do. Now, guess what? We've got common ground now. So here's the thing. From that point on, anything that I say to them, listen, as long as it's Bible, anything I say to them, if they disagree, then I just open the Bible and show them and say, wait a minute, didn't you say earlier that you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Now they're confronted with the truth. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? And in, in this day and hour, look, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish rulers of the day who wanted the power, they wanted the people, remember, they, they wanted the uppermost seats. They wanted everybody to be looking to them, right? But all as Jesus wanted people to do is come face to face, face with who he was, with the truth. And by the way, that's exactly what we need to do today is we need to bring people to Jesus. That's what it, aren't you glad Andrew took the time to go find his brother Simon and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus changed Simon's life and he became Peter, the great man of God. Listen, he made some mistakes, but understand that just like God worked in Peter's life, he was working in Saul's life. And so the truth, the truth reached out to Saul. You know the passage, we just read it, it blinded him. It took his eyesight away. Talk about a way to humble somebody, right? And so here's what happened. When God took his sight, all of a sudden, another one of his senses took over. He began to listen. You know, my daughter, she calls me. I don't know why she does this, but my oldest daughter, a lot of times she'll call me, and she'll call me while her my two granddaughters' favorite cartoon there's so many shows number one I don't know what they are number two I don't really understand any of the stuff that little kids watch nowadays I just don't get it uh, I, I grew up on Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner you know it was, that was a different day we were, were living in now and, uh, and 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 my my granddaughters what is it bubble guppies what is a bubble guppy you know and and she'll call me you know so that my granddaughters can say hi to me and so she'll put the phone right in front of my granddaughter, and my granddaughter's, and the phone's right here, and here's what my granddaughter's doing. And my daughter will say to her, Poppy's on the phone, do you want to say hi? And I'm, I, I'll say to my daughter, why do you call me while that's on? Turn it off, and they'll talk to me, you know? And folks, look, there are so many things that distract us nowadays, and Saul, look here, Saul had his eyes on Christians, on these people who are believers in Jesus, and he wouldn't listen. And so God took his eyesight. And so now he's listening. God's got his attention. And this, this oppressor of the followers of Jesus, you know what he became? He became a believer in Christ. He, he acknowledged that, that uh, look, I'm, I changed my beliefs about who you are. Twice in those couple verses that we read, he called Jesus Lord twice. Lord, what would you have me to do? In other words, I've been going this way, but now that I've come face to face with you, I've come face to face with the truth. Folks, that's what every one of us ought to ask ourselves. Lord, now that I'm saved, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do with my life? And that's, that's what we see here is there's a change about who Saul. Look, listen, and you have to understand this. Saul was not a God rejecter. 
Saul was not a God rejecter. He was a Jesus rejecter. Do you get that? Remember, anything that had to do with Jesus. Now, you know what that means? He didn't believe that Jesus was who? Yeah, he didn't believe he was God, right? So when, when he met the Lord, everything changed. Because now he believes that Jesus is God. I hope you're getting this this morning. You see, the disciples, they were transformed. But Saul became an unlikely convert. I mean, out of all the people, he was the most notorious of the day. And yet God changed this man. And the moment that he saw that God and Jesus were the same, guess what happened? His life was transformed. So listen, here's the first question. Is God, is, is God worth, Jesus worth dying for? Absolutely. Look at the second question this morning. Where did the word Christian come from? Now, this is a word we use all the time because we are a Christian. Maybe we understand a little bit more. But look, Saul, who, who now becomes the Apostle Paul, he, the Bible records that he was, he was brought to the church in Antioch. At this time, there was only one major church, and that was the church in Jerusalem. But now we see this new hub of Christianity in the city of Antioch. And so the believers there, when, when Saul comes... <laughs> And Barnabas brings him, and Barnabas says, hey, look, look who I brought to church. All the disciples are like, uh, that's, that's, that's Saul. Uh, Barnabas, he's been killing Christians. He's been persecuting our people. Why would you bring him to church? They were all skeptical. Wouldn't you be? I know I would be. I'd be thinking, well, you know, he just came to kind of infiltrate us so that he can identify who are believers in Jesus, so that he can haul us off to prison. And so many of them were skeptical. But here's the good thing is, aren't you glad when somebody stands up for you? Aren't you glad when somebody says, no, look, he's okay. He's on our side. You know what Barnabas did? Barnabas, he vouched for Saul. Uh, look, he's, he's now a believer, and, and he helped uh, Saul to be accepted in the church. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And Saul was come to Jerusalem, and he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus. What was Saul's message at Damascus? He preached about who? Jesus, right? I mean, look, his whole, his whole life changed. His message changed. Uh, by the way, that's easy to understand, if, again, if you go back and look at his history, because this man knew the Word of God. A lot of times you, you talk to certain people, especially Jewish folks. If you try to witness to Jewish folks, folks, look, I'm going to tell you, for the, for the average Jew, if you're going to go over, over into your New Testament or your Bible, they're probably not going to listen a whole lot to you. But do you know you can go to the Old Testament and you can talk to somebody about Jesus? Because you could find the Lord Jesus throughout the entire Word of God. And, and Saul was one, because look, at that time, the New Testament was not even completed. The canon of scriptures wasn't even complete. And yet this man, he stood up where he was saved on the road to Damascus while he was still in Damascus. He didn't leave town. He stayed right there and talked about Jesus. Amongst all the threats, what was happening? God was now making a difference through the church, but Saul was now a part of that church. 
the culture was resisting them. Remember, they called them the way. They were also known as followers of Jesus or believers in Jesus. Look at Acts 11. And when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Well, guess who was there talking to them about Jesus? Saul. Saul was the one. Barnabas and Saul, they were telling people about the Lord. So what is a Christian? Well, Christians are followers of Christ. The word Christian means to be like Jesus, to be like Christ. It's not intended to be something that's derogatory. As a matter of fact, I think it's a compliment when people say, hey, are you a Christian? The only way you can be a Christian is to believe that Jesus is God, that he rose from the dead. To become a Christian was something, listen, that as they lived their lives, it, it, it was something even in this day that was really social and it was cultural suicide. If somebody found you out that you were a Christian, it was dangerous to be a Christian back in those days. Some of these people, they lost their jobs. Many of them, relationships were severed from, from some of their friends. Some of them, their families were broken up and they were members of their family that were murdered. Businesses, if you were a Christian, businesses were closed or burnt to the ground. Some of their very own friends betrayed them. Why? Because they believed the truth. See, what is, it, what is a Christian? Where does that term come from? And then look at number three this morning. What does the word Christian really mean? Well, if we're going to get a meaning, I'm not going to go out to the world to get that meaning. If I'm going to get the meaning of what a Christian is, I'm going to go to the Bible. That's where we need to go. What does the Bible say about what a Christian is? Notice, first of all, that a Christian is a sinner. A Christian is a sinner. If you are saved and understand that, that you were a sinner running after sin, but now you are a sinner running from sin. The truth is that you can't be a Christian if you don't first need a Savior. We all know what the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, right? There's none perfect. There's none righteous. And the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, Sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all of sin. So what is a Christian? A Christian, first of all, is a sinner. Letter B, a Christian is a believer and a receiver. A Christian is a believer and a receiver. To become a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus is God's only answer for your sin. Uh, look, the answer is not in religion. The answer is not in some church. The answer is, is not in our own works or our own efforts. Look, you can only offer one thing to Jesus, and that is what? That you believe that He is the Son of God. It's called faith. Understanding faith in Him. Look at John 3, you know verse uh, 16, but look at the verse before that. Whoso believeth in Him. Notice it doesn't say in a church. It doesn't say in a creed. It says whoso believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at Acts 10, 43. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. 
uh, John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 10.10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Look at uh, Romans 10.13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See that the importance there of being a believer and a receiver. When you become a Christian, understand that Jesus is the only hope for our lives, and that's how somebody becomes a Christian. So look, yes, we are sinners, but a Christian is a believer in Christ. He has received the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at letter C, a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a personal relationship with him after salvation. I hope that your relationship is growing. If you look at the first century Christians, you know what they did? They followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Look at Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with who? They'd been with Jesus. See, these, you know, when, here's what I love about studying the Word of God, especially where we are today. These Christians in the book of Acts, you know what they were? They were ordinary people, just like you and me. There was nothing special about them. But when I look at this passage, here's what I find is, is that they came into contact with evidence, truth, that was irrefutable. Infallible proofs, the Bible says. And as I look at that, and they came into contact with that, what they really came into contact with was a living, powerful Jesus. And those people then had a message, and the message they had was the same message we have today. It's a message of hope. It's a message of hope. See, these were the first real Christians. The question today is, are you a real Christian? Because a real Christian is a, yes, a sinner, but he is a believer, a receiver, and a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, to hear the word of God. Pray that you'd bless and use it. Help us to be a follower no matter what happens no matter what may come our way, that we would always follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.